Hello everyone, I'm Ross Brown from the Southwest Cyber Resilience Centre. I'd like to welcome you all to the latest in our series of podcasts from the SWCRC. Don't worry if you haven't caught all of the podcasts, as you can access them via our website, www.swcrc.co.uk, or you can get them through Buzzsprout. Uh, If you and your business haven't joined us yet, don't forget our core membership is free and we provide you with National Cyber Security Centre products to keep your business safer online. So this podcast is titled Dealing with the Basics, What You Really Need to Know. Uh, And uh, we're joined uh, on this occasion by Paul Croker, who's the CIO and Director of 18IT, an IT um, organisation based here in the Southwest. Uh, Paul, firstly, can I say thank you so much for giving uh, us your time uh, for this podcast. And um, I'm really keen to find out a little bit more about what you and 18IT do. Sure. Hi, Ross. Hi, guys and people listening. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. Hopefully I can pass on some little golden nuggets of advice and information to people that are struggling to get their heads around what safe looks like on in in, in cyber and and within their business, but also their personal lives as well. Um, In a nutshell, um, I'm the owner of a company called 18IT, and we provide IT strategic direction for businesses to help them understand what good IT looks like for them in their in their their company, their business. Um, and we talk around processes and, and procedures as well as as having good IT support with a, an IT support company providing that for them. Okay, that, that's fantastic. Thanks, Paul. Um, uh, let, let, let's let's presuppose then that I am the um, owner and perhaps um, uh, sole uh, individual in, uh, involved in the company. Um, Let's have a look at the basics of cybersecurity. What do I really need to do? What do I really need to pay? And how important is that in relation to my business? It's a good, it's a great question because you don't know what you don't know. And I think that the best thing to do is have a look at the National Cyber Security's website um, and download the free Cybersecurity Essentials Questionnaire because that is a great starting point. And just have a look at those questions. It might not mean too much to you because some of them could be quite technical uh, and quite sort of techy in their speak and what they're asking. But your IT support company, or if you have somebody who helps you with your IT, they might be able to help give you some pointers. And what you can do with that is you can start looking at those those questions and working out what do I do in that for, for that section? What do I do for that question? Um, and if you don't know, reach out to uh, to people that may know. And just see if there's options that they can do to help. But just off the bat, this, the basics for me um, are the fundamentals are things like our passwords. Um, we all know people moan and begroan about having to enter in yet another password. And it needs to be complex and it needs to be something different that's not used somewhere else. Um, I actually caught uh, a brilliant um, uh, the comedian McIntyre. He did a video about passwords. Uh, it was a little bit dated, but the message is still the same. And the whole audience was laughing. And for me, that was golden because they got what he was saying. Everyone's laughing because it's funny, but it's funny because they can relate to it. Um, we all need to have these, these 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 kind of passwords. There's different ways you can do that. So traditionally, people would write them down on a bit of paper and stick it in a pad next to their computer or, heaven forbid, stick it on a post-it note and actually on the computer uh, with the username and password ready to go. That's not really very secure and that great. And if you keep it in a book... That's also not very secure and great either. Um, I know stories where 
people have been the offices or homes have been broken into and they make a beeline for where the computer is because they check the drawers and the the the, the, the desk panels and the rest of it because they know people are going to be writing stuff down near where their computer is so to have it electronic is a good way but again it needs to be secure with a password as well password vaults are great um, they can generate unique passwords for you as well and they're not that expensive you're talking the cost of like a coffee or a cup of tea per month for those to be to be available and there are free options there it just depends what's what good as i say what good looks like for you what do you need it to do what budgets have you got available and just batting smart really where do you, where where can you have that spend um and focus those those investments yeah i, I think that's that's really important in terms of passwords and, and certainly that's our own experience here at the uh, crc um and interesting, and um, that you mentioned the, uh, the the NCSC and their guidance, and, and, and certainly, you know that, that that's what we, always, what we always advocate. You know, go there as a sort of first instance. Uh, but it also, you know, those people who are listening to, to to this podcast, they can come to eighteen IT, I guess, for for, for for guidance, and they can also come come to us because I mean, we we offer a, a free half hour consultation as part of um, the free call membership. So uh, absolutely, there is help out there, isn't there? Absolutely. And it's, it's, it's to utilize your network. So if you if you do networking yourself, maybe in something called like BNI or there's other other groups are available out there, um, there'll be people in there that will want to help you as well. And you might be able to bounce and sound ideas off them. But again, I would absolutely sign up for the Southwest uh, Resilience Centre's core free offering. Or if you're based in a different part of the UK, there'll be a different a different uh, centre uh, signed to you there. Sign up to theirs because it's a great, it's it's just signposting where to go when there's problems or when you're not sure what to do. And rather than Google it and take a punt on having some fake news pop up or something else or not quite get it as secure as it needs to be and falling foul on that, let's just get it right the first time round. No, no, great advice. And certainly my own experience of password managers, I, I, I wish I'd done them sooner. Um, fortunately, um, we we weren't subject to to any um, any particular issues. But you know, being able to have a separate password for every system that you use, and, and separate and unique, and, and uh, is it, just such a good thing. And, and of course, you, you've also got the, the the issue that if you do inadvertently go onto a phishing site, um, onto a site that purports to be some uh, a site that you normally know, the password manager won't populate your um, your login details because it will tell that it's it's actually a, a yep. site that's been mimicked, isn't it? Well, you can you can even use it. Some of the vaults are quite advanced now. So in the actual web, rather than just being a username and password that you store in there, you can store what we call the URL, which is the web address for it. So actually, you don't even have to type the the the, the web address in anymore or save it as a favorite. You can just open up your vault, search for it in the vault, click on the link. It will open up the safe link page, so it's going to the right place to start with, puts in your credentials and signs you straight in. So you don't have to click on links and emails, which might be fake. As you say, there might be phishing emails, et cetera. So it's another layer of protection, all off this one thing called a password vault. Um, the other thing I quite like about it as well is if you have to, maybe you, you've got a social media account and you're not very great at putting those things together, you might share that with somebody who manages that for you. Rather than giving them the actual password and the username to type in, you can share it through a password vault. So they don't actually see the password. They get a link. They click on that and it signs them in into it. So therefore, you're not showing them the password, which if they were to leave, you should really be changing that password because they could still log into that as you or, or do damage in your in your account. You're sharing it in a secure way, which isn't exposing yourself and managing that risk, which I think's which I think is great. 
Yeah, fantastic, fantastic. So let, let's assume then that, that perhaps I can't, for whatever reason, and I see, I hear you say it's you know, the price of a cup of tea, but let's just assume that I can't uh, afford to, to to go for a password manager, although obviously that's what we would advocate. Um, can, can, can you give us any sort of pointers on, on what a, a good password looks like, please? Yeah, sure. So uh, there's different ways and different people have different ways of doing this. Um if we start off with what not what not a good one is, something like password one, two, three, four, or five, it's not great. And just changing the numbers on the end isn't great as well. The threat actors know that and they their algorithms and their automated tools will just change a couple of the numbers or characters in that and, and brute force it and they'll, they'll, they'll get into it. So it's to have them completely different. And I must admit, I do quite like the National Cybersecurity's guidance on this one, where they say about three random words that don't normally go together. So you can, it's not a completely random bobbly-goop password with letters, numbers, special characters dotted all over the place. You're thinking, geez, I've got no chance of remembering this one, not in a hope and not a hope and a million Mondays. But this three random words and some numbers in there and a special character makes it more plausible. So if you can't have a vault, having something like that is just an easier way to manage it. Yeah, yeah, good advice. Thanks. So, um, what about uh, you know? Let's let's say we've got you know more than two or three staff. What's the sort of things that we should be looking at in terms of um, staff training? Oh, that's a good one. So staff training is always, always, always an interesting one because people interpret things differently. Some people will like something visual. Some people will like the written word and some won't like anything. I just want to get on with my job. So you'll have a whole, a whole mishmash there to try and sort of navigate through. But having a central set of policies is really, really good because when you, when you know what's expected of you, you, you know what direction you're going in. Um, so things like a password policy is always good. An acceptable usage policy. If they're using your computer equipment, um, you might want to set out some sort of um, do's and don'ts um, around how they can access that and, and what they can do with it. And they, you don't want them installing their own software and you can restrict that as well by not granting user accounts with admin credentials, which is another sort of security control there as well. Because if a user can install software on their computer, imagine what damage can happen if malware suddenly downloads from a dodgy email or a phishing email it can go off and do what it wants to do on that computer and it's not just that computer it's whatever else that computer's touching to so if it's at home it's the home network it's the other computers and devices at home or sharepoint or your emails or your data and your company's data file share uh, file servers if you're in an office is another one so these it 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 lands in one place and it can quickly quickly cascade out so policies around controlling the endpoints is important around passwords, um, I think are important as well. And just general, I don't like the word awareness. Um, I prefer resilience. So uh, cyber resilience training to make you more resilient to what we're, what we're up against, I think is probably the best way to put it. Yeah. And, and I think another thing, um, certainly for, for, for me, is that there's an openness within an organisation. If you do actually inadvertently click on a link, uh, alert you know yeah. someone... Uh, as as soon as you can, in, in order to sort of uh, you know limit the amount of damage that's been caused. Absolutely, and it, it I, it's a, it, for me, it's culture, it's company culture, and it's set in the right culture, and it's an it's set up an inclusive one. Um, no one likes just being told no or don't do this, and then you, you're expecting them to stick their hand up after you've kind of 
smacked them around, so we say, um, and 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 made it feel awkward or difficult. And they go, well, I'm just going to get, you know, it's a difficult conversation. I might get fired, you know, worst case scenario, lose my job. So why would I want to do that? No, make it turn on its head, make it so it's acceptable to go, I might have done something or put controls in place to help manage that as well. And there are, there are options around how that, how you can, you can do that, not just with policy, but with actual technical controls as well to restrict things that people can and can't do. And it's driven by the business. It's what the business needs and, and what, what, what they want to do with it really. Yeah, sure. Thanks. Um, Paul, what are your views? Uh, obviously I'm, I'm um, backing up your data because, because we always, tell people to back up their data uh we advise people to go to the cloud but that can be expensive can't it um it's it depends what how much you're backing up it's like anything um how long's a bit of string uh and what what's, what's what is it you're backing up if it's data inside your microsoft 365 like your emails and your contacts and your calendar maybe sharepoint um it's not that expensive now to what it used to be um i can remember days in my corporate roles where you're talking like a pound a gig um, it's not that now. It's a lot, lot, lot less than that. So um, backup solutions are important. I wholeheartedly recommend people explore what they want backed up and how to get it backed up. Um, and that, that, again, that's that's based on your business requirements. Do you have contracts or agreements in place with your clients that say there's a, you know, data is held for so long, for example, and then you start sort of drifting across into gdpr stuff and retentions but backing up your data is needed and it's not just from somebody deleting something it's about ransomware attacks it's about uh people maybe there's insider threat maybe somebody inside the organization goes rogue for example and goes right well before i sign off on friday i'm just going to delete everything um and then you know i'm walking out the door never to be seen again backup will help you manage that because then you can do a restore afterwards but you can't do that if you haven't got a decent backup but you need to know what it is you're backing up how you're backing it up and and why why you're backing it up yeah uh, i'm often asked um is it uh, and certainly you know we're, we're perhaps looking at those businesses with one or two or three people i'm often asked is it sufficient to back up your data onto a memory stick and keep that isolated from your, the system that you're currently working on um, again, it depends what data is probably going on that. To start with, I'd probably question why you're backing it up to a USB stick because you'd have to buy a USB stick, so there's a cost for that. How are you scoping what size USB stick you're getting? Is there encryption on that USB stick? Or is it a case of you're just plugging it in and saving all your data to it and anybody else that plugs that USB stick in can access all the data that's on there? Is there company-sensitive data or client data on there? Maybe maybe you work um, in, in a consultancy um, uh, remit with 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 government or local council. Um, in which case, again, I'd question your method about why you're using a USB stick for something like that. Um, what, what's the objective? What is it you're trying to do? Um, and then understand around that because you once you fill that USB stick up, say it's um, three gigabyte USB stick. What are you going to do next with that three gig USB stick? Are you just going to buy another one, copy that onto a six gig one, and then fill that? And then what happens next? How quickly are you filling that data up as well? With, with online backups, you can have them encrypted. They're online as well, so they're not going to get plugged into someone else's computer. Um, and there's just better better mechanisms to control the access uh, to that data. No, that, 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 that's great. And, and, and... So what I guess what we're saying is, yes, you can do it, but actually it's it's really not a, a, 
it's not the way it's not the way ahead is it it's yeah it's a bit of a a, a 90s approach to a modern world it's probably the easiest way to put it but again <laughs> it, it it does depend on the business i understand obviously you know money is tight at the moment and and businesses don't have infinite infinite budget for things and especially if you're starting things up you might need to start with that but that's fine then have a strategic roadmap in place to say i'm going to use this for six months we're have encrypted usb sticks so it's not a case of anyone can plug it in and access stuff and then after six months hopefully we'll have more 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 clients and more more business going on where we can review this and have something a bit more robust all right fantastic um Cool. Uh, in relation to, you know, uh, it, should you be unfortunate enough to be uh, subject to a cyber attack, um, what, what are your views on uh, on a recovery guide for, for a small business? Well, that is the $64,000 question. What do you what do you do first? Um, uh, the first thing is, I'll probably say is, do you have a thing called cyber insurance? Um, if you have phone those people to start with because before you start doing anything else if you start poking prodding deleting restoring stuff you might nullify your insurance because the guys are going to want to have a look the uh what they call an instant response team will probably want to have a look uh at what's happened how has it happened um and understand uh from an sort of almost like a, a police forensic investigation what's gone on what are the log files who's done what when how how did how did it happen um, and it is it is almost like a, a, a probably the best way to describe it is almost like a police forensic investigation um, where they're going to want to know information that's gone on with it. So if you've got cyber insurance, phone your insurance, cyber insurance company first and say, help, what do we do next? Um, or reach out to, I would say, to somebody like yourselves, um, Cyber Resilience Centre um, and say, right, we've got I've got this issue. Where do I go next with it? Because we haven't got any cyber insurance. Uh, I'm a bit stuck or, you know, come and speak to speak to myself. Whilst we can't do the actual heavy lifting, we can probably point you to some instant response team people out there who can help help manage that. Sure. And I think that's excellent advice. Um, and, and certainly it resonates with me with the uh, the police investigation aspect. It'd be like going to a murder murder scene and somebody's washed the knife or something uh, and cleaned up before you get there. Um, yeah. So, and 50 yeah, people have walked walked over your crime scene as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Paul, I, I know this was a kind of a, a bit of a, a whistle stop tour of, of, of you know how, how to um, how to deal with the basics. And I know I've asked you a number of questions and been discussed various um, various issues this afternoon. Um, is there anything that we've missed out? Do you think that um, uh, the listeners really need to know? Um, yeah, I think we need to we need to address the balance a little bit with this. So in the news and the papers and the media, we're seeing all about businesses. But it's not just businesses. The threat actors don't go, Ross, it's OK. It's Friday afternoon. You've had a busy week. It's half past five. I'll leave you be. But I'll catch you at your desk on Monday. It doesn't work like that. Uh, we are just as much at risk at home as we are in the office place. Uh, the threat actors are looking to target us as humans with our human traits by applying pressure to do things within a certain time frame or this bad thing will happen. Um, so just if you're if you're feeling under pressure or someone's trying to apply and assert pressure to you to do something or not do something, just take a deep breath, just double check it, phone people, and don't phone the numbers off the email address signatures. 
because those can get tampered with just as much as the rest of the information. So you're actually talking to the hacker or somebody related to them. Um, Phone your trusted numbers and just check and validate it. I've speak to my clients and they might, some of them are quite small. Um, They might not have infinite budgets. So I say, look, let's look at some of these things that we can address now. Do you have to do transactions, bank transactions, payment details on a Friday? Yes or no? Can you use any one of the other days of the week? If so, let's move off a Friday because the Thractors know it's Friday and people might be leaving early, going to the weekends or going on a holiday and just trying to get that last thing done before they get out. And those are how some of these breaches are happening. Yeah, so it's by just adding that element of pressure and, and therefore you maybe start skipping some of those um, uh, stages in the progress of payments that you otherwise yep. would have taken because you just want to get it done because like you say, you you know, you're off on holiday or you're going away for the weekend or whatever else. So absolutely. And these these aren't these aren't complex or or difficult, expensive things to do. It's just small little small little processes, tweaks and changes in what you do as an organization that can have a really big impact. Yeah, no, that, that, that that's great. Thank you very much indeed, Paul. Um I think that's probably us uh, for this particular podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure and I'm so grateful. Uh, for you spending your time with us. Uh, and I know uh, you, you're a very, very busy person. So uh, if I can conclude then, um, if you've got any questions uh, through uh, any of the subjects that we uh, covered in this podcast, get hold of Paul at AC90, um, or you can uh, email us, uh, the Southwest Cyber Resilience Centre here, at inquiries at swcrc.co.uk, and we'll endeavour to answer them for you. So in conclusion then, Paul, thank you so much for joining us. Um, and we hope uh, you as the listeners will catch up on our next podcast coming soon. Don't forget, if you haven't already joined us as a free core member, um, you can do so on our website, which is www.swcrc.co.uk. 